0: My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let me tell you four things, four things you can expect if you choose to be a part of this offering or any offering that blesses God's work and keeps his work going. What he says to them and what he wants to say to you. Number one, he says, when you give, you become a partner with God in making the gospel known. He says that in verse 14. I thank you that when it wasn't uh, easy for you to be identified, because remember, this is a church in great poverty, a church in great affliction. And you, Paul describes this church in 2 Corinthians 8, wasn't easy to give, but they kept giving. They kept telling themselves, we can be a part of something like this. I like to say this, I don't think, maybe a few fantasies, I don't know that it's ever been a, uh, a big desire of mine to be rich. And God seemed to have answered the prayer. I grew up, you know, there were seven of us in an 800 square foot house in South Richmond in the projects. Uh, the way we measured prosperity was food. If there was grocery day, I thought we were rich every Friday when folks bought groceries. Long as your brothers and sisters hadn't rated all the good food. You thought you were prospering. Anybody grow up that way? Just food. I, didn't, I, never, I couldn't even spell 401K. I, retirement plans, we thought retirement plans is you just die. You know, the, the big prosperity is you bought a new car every three or four years. It had to be a Ford or a Chevy, though, right? I don't know where to start to buy a car. There's so much out there. But you know what, I, if anything, I would have loved to have said that you could just wrote in your diary, I would have loved for it to have been said, you gave a personal offering to keep Paul the Apostle preaching. I, I have to say, if, uh, when these folks get to heaven, now, there's a day God's going to read the record. And he's going to call up every Philippian that had contributed an offering to keep Paul preaching the gospel. Because, you see, my grandmother Howard said, Paul's my preacher. He brought it to us Gentiles. I'd rather put my money in a man preaching the gospel than Mick Jagger's all day. Rolling Stones haven't done anything for me. They haven't saved any of my kids, and they would have introduced me to drugs. And how to abuse women and how to be blasted at the stadium while everybody's getting high. But Christ said, I can do more than get you high. I can take you on high. I can get you all the way to heaven. So, where would you like, when it's all said and done, where would you like for the record to say, I invested in a poor preacher preaching the gospel that's now in jail? Do you have any money invested in God's servants and God's word? Well, he says, It won't be forgotten. Second thing he said is our giving is recorded for eternity. Notice what he says. It says that uh, no church entered into this partnership with me. He said, but you helped me time and again. Then he said, verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit or to your account. Paul is saying this. I wasn't as desperately in need of what you sent as I wanted to see something on the ledger in heaven to your account. That's interesting. In Malachi chapter 3, God said, stop robbing me. And those who stop robbing me and those who talk of my goodness, I'm writing a book of remembrance on their conversation and on their behavior. Here, he says, when we give, God records it, and there's an account up there in heaven that's got your name on it, and God's entering every gift you give to Jesus Christ. Whether it's a cup of cold water, whether you've clothed someone in his name, whether you've helped somebody, it doesn't matter what it is that you gave, That you gave, maybe you didn't have much money, but I gave my time. I became a Sunday school teacher. I gave up time to invest in the work of Christ some way. And he says, there's a ledger up there that God records what you give. Now, see, every January, by law, we've got to give you a receipt of everything you gave. Because we don't want you to lie on your taxes. You know, no guessing. I guess I gave about, you know, they want a receipt. Is your accountant that way? Where's the receipt? What did you give? Well, you know what's going to be interesting? When we get to heaven, he obviously is going to read off this ledger account on what you gave. And he said in Luke 16 that a man that managed money wisely and he took and invested in Christ and invested it in helping people, that he said, why don't you invest your money in such a way that others will welcome you into eternal dwellings? It sort of goes this way. You can actually form your own receiving line in heaven. Will there be anybody welcoming you there that that helped to get there? You know, what I think of this brother here that comes. I met him out in front of B of A, right? B of A, where I do my banking. He's been there for a long time. And I felt led to be good to him. And uh, I had my grandchildren be good to him the other day. He turns around. He actually makes offerings to this church. You wouldn't believe that, right? This man made donations to this church. it's had five strokes, not able to work. Hangs out there, a lot of times hoping somebody gives him some money so he can make it. But you know what? I didn't do it to get her any reward. But when I get to heaven, God has recorded it. Why, you don't believe it? You know you don't believe it. You never heard it. This is a Bible church. We're telling you what the Bible says. Everybody that believes the Bible, say amen. amen. Oh, oh, someone believes it. See, it doesn't matter if we get it recorded. It does for April 15th. But what matters more is Paul said, what you've done is going on your account that you've had this much of a part in the gospel. I have to say something. Uh, A lot of people attend a church, but some people keep it going. A lot of people like to drop in. They want everything just right. They want all the services right. They want short sermons, good donuts, good coffee, clean bathrooms, and a spotless nursery. But they don't keep it going. Those who become partners in the gospel keep it going. And we're inviting you to help us keep the doors open as another generation grows up. Our young people aren't going to pay the rent. It's us. It's us. But I tell you, I'd give my last dime just to have one One member of my family in the next generation wanted to go on. My daughter, Deborah and Rebecca, they grew up in this youth group. Forty-some-odd years. They had no choice. They never prayed about it. (laughs) They just went. But God did the work in their heart that only God can do. Well, he goes on to say something else. Uh, I love this. He said... uh, I've received full payment from you, and the gifts you sent are like a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. You know what hits me about this verse? If you lived in the ancient Near East, pleasant odors was not a way of life. They never discovered Old Spice deodorant. They had never, there's no sanitation there were no showers. There was hot weather. How do you keep smelling good in a place that doesn't have a sewer, that garbage is thrown on the street, and you can't easily take a bath, only a sponge bath? Where, where do you get to? God said offerings made to him did something that was unusual. They had to pay a big price to get pleasant odors in the ancient Near East. You'd have to buy alabaster. You'd have to buy precious uh, spices, anointments. But he said, what you did in this offering smells good in heaven. Most of what the earth sends up to God stinks. Sin, rebellion, all of this stuff. But he said, what you did was like a fragrant aroma. And the picture is God just says, That smells good to me. That brings me pleasure is the idea. It's acceptable. It's something I approve of. That's why we spent part of this campaign challenging and encouraging some of you to start giving God the first fruits in your life and start at a place called 10% giving that saints have been doing for centuries. It's nothing new because God has said over and over in the word, those who have given him that amount have always pleased him with that amount. It's not the ceiling. doesn't mean you stop there. We're actually challenging you today. Can you trust God to even go beyond that and trust him? What are we trying to do? Uh, We've got to re-roof our family worship center. We've got to repay this lot. None of this gives me goosebumps. I'd rather send it all to missions than to get a brand new. It's just like me. Do you think I got excited when I had to re-roof my house? But when I went into my closet and drips were coming through, I thought it was time. And our roofs are already leaking. We're going to do things like that. And we've always tried to accelerate the pain off of debt. That's nothing that grabs you. But it only is good stewardship. I think you ought to do it in your personal finances. I think we ought to do it in the church. We thank God for the loan, but we want to eliminate it because we want money. $700 a day while we meet. Today, the bank just charges $700 to borrow their money. In a month, it's $20,000 a month. In a year, almost a quarter of a million dollars. We say we can use it for better things. If we'll give it now and eliminate it, we'll free up money for buildings, missions. Believe me, we'll find a place to give it that honors Christ. That's what we're trying to do. And we're calling upon you, God's faithful people. I have to say, when I went to the advanced commitment uh, night Tuesday, I, I wasn't surprised at anybody that was there. The faithful backbone givers of this church were there. Some couldn't make it, and we missed you. That's why we're going to let you make up today and double what you would have given. But when we give, it will smell good to God. It will go down in the ledger in heaven that you'll hear read off to you, and you can be a partner with God in getting the gospel out. Then he says something that I've often heard people do, they'll run to Philippians 4:19, but they never read the context. Philippians 4:19 isn't yours until you've done the deed to those who support God's work, for those who partner with the suffering church, for those who send a gift as it were, for those who have given something acceptable to God. God makes a promise, and God can't lie. And he said this way, I shall supply all your needs according to my riches in glory. Now watch this. The Philippians have met some of Paul's needs. God says, I'll meet all of yours. You met some, I'll meet all of yours. We find out. The Philippian church was a poor church because of Roman taxes taking over their copper mines, their silver mines, their gold mines. Rome had put its foot on the heel of Thessalonica and Macedonia. They were in severe poverty. So they gave out of their poverty. God says, I'll supply yours out of my riches. And I looked up in Scripture God has four bank accounts he draws on. I want you just, in case you need a loan, let me tell you the name of the accounts. Do anyone have multiple savings accounts? Anybody? I I do. I have one for taxes, one that I hide from Carolyn, uh, one one for uh, vacation, and it's always depleted, but... Uh, I have different little saving books because they don't do uh, Christmas clubs as easily at banks anymore. So I just separate accounts. Well, listen to God' accounts. One of his accounts is called the riches of his goodness. Romans 2.4. Then he has an account called the riches of his wisdom. Romans 11.33. He's got one called the riches of his grace in Ephesians 1.7. And he's got another account called The Riches of His Glory in Ephesians 1.18. And anything you will ever need, he can supply out of one of those accounts. He can supply anything you need. You need grace. You need wisdom. You need glory. You need goodness. God's got all the accounts. And he said, to those who have partnered with my church, those who have given to my ministry and my cause, he said, I'll supply your needs out of my riches, but I really misread it, didn't I? They gave out of their poverty. God said, I'll reward you according to my riches. Now, some of you have never studied prepositions. You're saying, what is a preposition? We don't have time to teach you English right now, but there is a difference between out of and according to. If a rich man gave you $20, he he gave you something out of his riches. He didn't bless you according to his riches. I never forget the time when Carol and I were staying in North Dallas going to school. And uh, we went into the garage there. And uh, the man that let me stay at his condo had a Rolls Royce with eight miles on it. Brand new. We took so many family pictures in that Rolls, you can't believe. Our girls were there. We snapped pictures. I was going to send it out as a Christmas card, but I didn't think you'd, I thought you'd cut my salary, so I didn't send it out. Yeah, but, oh, it was just brand new, burgundy and black. It was just plus. And so I I talked to the man uh, who, that was his house. He had five places. He only used this one when he went to Dallas to buy clothes and to do banking. So I said, you can use it in the summer. And uh, we loved it. But I asked him, I said, hey, one day I said, "Uh, I've checked out in the garage. Are you aware what's in the garage? Oh, oh yeah. And I said, wow, that is a beautiful car. Uh, And then I I didn't want to go any further, but I want to say, how in the world did you get it? But he was nice enough. He said well, let me tell you about that car. And I said, tell me about it. He said, well, in the 80s, uh, West Texas was having all kinds of oil and gas problems out there, trying to get natural gas, and there were lawsuits and all kinds of hassles going on. And uh, my friend uh, had the bank, had a bank in that city. And an old boyhood friend of his walked in, and nobody would loan to him, and Times were hard, and uh, he asked David, he said, uh, David, I need $100,000, and nobody will loan to me. Times are hard, and uh, I think I can strike. uh, I think there's a gas, uh, you know, deposit over here, and I I just want to drill. It's it's a gas, but nobody will give me any front money. And David, uh, being the president of the bank, he just reached back on his gradenza and he had $100,000 wrapped just there in case he needed bubble gum money or, you know, golf or something. And so he had that money wrapped there, and he, he just reached over, and he said, here, Edgar, uh, just take it. Said, we don't need any paperwork. You're my friend. And Edgar said, David, I'll tell you, if I hit it, I'll never forget what you did because I'm in a desperate way. Well, guess what? He hit it. And one of his thank you gifts was a Rolls Royce. And then he put him in as a share of all the wealth he started hitting out in West Texas. If you don't know it, Texas has oil. Guess what? Edgar blessed him according to his riches. He didn't send him a Volkswagen. And God says, when you give to me, we've offered you people over 90 days, those of you that have begun to give God 10%, we've given you an unconditional guarantee. If you're not satisfied 90 days, you bring your receipts, and the church will return your money. I don't know if any church has ever been crazy enough to do that, but we made you that offer. Now, God's saying right in Philippians 419, my God, not Valley Bible, my God promises you this. You give to my church my program with a willing heart and dependent on him, I will supply everything you need when Richard is put off his job, and when you're no longer the senior vice president, I will supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. That's what God said. That's what God said.